Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Welcome into the lounge presented by DraftKings. We are going to take a hard look at the Ravens' 33-31 loss to the Cleveland Browns, but on the writer's side, we're also going to look ahead to the Bengals. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we'll, we'll spend a little bit of time breaking down the film on this one, then we'll turn the page quickly after a pretty frustrating loss. Yeah, it's sometimes after a, a loss, like you hear the old, the, all the old stereotypes or adages get tossed out there. It's like, burn the tape, you know? Yeah. This isn't really one of those games in the sense that like the Ravens led for... 99.9% of the game. So there was a lot of things that, that did go right. Is that a lot? 99.9%? Yeah. yeah. There, there were a lot of they things that went right. had a 97% chance of winning. So it's, it's kind of a weird one in that way. You're like, wait a second, how could you have played that bad when you had a 97% chance of winning the game? Yeah. <laughs> right? It's exactly. a weird one. It is a weird one. And so we'll, we'll break down kind of what went. There was some good stuff. There was obviously areas that the Ravens need to improve, so we'll hit all of that. And then also look ahead to this matchup against the Bengals because... Look, the, as disappointing as it was, the Ravens truly had to turn the page and get right back to work because the season, you know, they have this opportunity here in a lot of ways. Like, both these teams feel like this game, they're in different situations, but the Bengals are in a spot where their season's a little bit on the line, mm-hmm. and the Ravens have their spot in first place on the line here. Yep. So, this is a huge game. So, we're going to get into all that over the course of this conversation. Yeah, so let's start with the, the Browns game. And obviously, a big talking point coming out of this game is... Another fourth quarter lead blown for the Ravens. Uh, in all three games, all three losses this season, the Ravens have blown fourth quarter leads. What's going on, right? And and sure, you can talk about kind of the macro view of it goes beyond just this season. This has kind of been a bugaboo for the Ravens even in previous years, right? And what's behind that? What, is there some kind of deeper root cause to that? Is there something psychological? And, you know, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a psychologist. I was a psychology minor, okay. but I don't know that I'm qualified. Is that, know, does that give you some it, expertise? If, in this it, area? if it was a major, okay. sure. Okay. But minor, eh, you still, got, you still got the textbooks in a box in the basement? Yeah, I'm trying to sell them if you're interested. <laughs> let me know. Um, but I, I don't know that we're really qualified to dive into that, but we can look at the tape, right? Because in each instance, when you separate it, and this is what the Ravens do, is they look at the tape and they say, what do we need to fix from this game? What was wrong football-wise from this game? We can we can you know deal with all that stuff in the offseason and mm-hmm. in training camp and all that other stuff. What's it say on tape? What mistakes did we make? And when I look at it, what it essentially boiled down to was, I don't think the Ravens tackled very well in this game at all. I think down the stretch, they had too soft a coverage. Uh, and it was just too easy a throws for Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. I thought Deshaun Watson had probably his best game as a Cleveland Brown, and while the majority of his throws down the stretch in particular were pretty easy, 
he did make some big time throws. He, he yeah. got to tip your cap once in a while. And, and then I think the Ravens, uh, you know, they just kind of, kind of to the tackling point, they got bullied down the stretch a little bit. They got bullied down the stretch for extra yards after catch and, and after run. And that was the problem down the stretch for them. And they, they sprinkle in a little bad luck there too. I'll, I'll add that one in. Yeah. I mean, just, just to the note of uh, like, why does this keep happening? The big picture question. John Harbaugh was asked about that on Monday and basically the more of the notion, like the, the psychological aspect of it, like why have you guys not been able to hold these fourth quarter leads this season yep. and in past in last year as well. And, and he, he said what you basically just said, which is, you know, we're focused on the X's and O's of it, the football of it, and improving in that way. Mm-hmm. I also will say, though, that, like, players have talked this year and beyond about the importance of finishing games mm-hmm. and, like, how that has been a point of emphasis. Now, finish isn't a football thing. That's not necessarily, right. like... A, Everybody says that, right? Yeah, that, that's like... All a, 32 teams, when they get to the fourth quarter, a bunch of them hold up the four fingers. Yeah. Four, fourth quarter, we gotta finish! Yeah. We gotta finish! That's, that's you know... <laughs> what does it mean? What does exactly. It mean? exactly. There's a lot that goes into that. And so there's a lot of... That doesn't really tell you anything about the football aspect of it, but I do think that that is a... It is a real point of emphasis, so it is surprising when it doesn't happen. Well, here's the funny thing. I'll just stop you right there. The Ravens came within a whisker of finishing this game, mm-hmm. right? When Adafi Owe pounced on Deshaun Watson's back and the fumble came rolling out, Yeah, that was a game-finishing play, potentially. Yeah, totally. Right? Wyatt Teller, the Browns' uh, right guard, just happened to be peel, peeling black back to, to pick up an extra block, and the, whoop! Ball rolls out right in front of him. He falls on it. Browns recover, go down the, the field for the game-winning field goal. Yep. Right? But, like, you talk about plays that finish games. It can be sacks. It can be sack strips. The Ravens had a sack strip. Mm-hmm. They just kind of got unlucky, and that's where I talk about that bad luck, a little sprinkling of that. Like, you know, you, you can sit here and say, yeah, they didn't finish, and that's true. But they had a play that certainly could have done the job. Yeah, it, it just bounced the wrong way. Totally. It, it certainly could have. And then, like... You know, I thought it was interesting, you know, after the game, Kyle Hamilton did make the point. He's like, I felt like we let our foot off the gas a little bit. And I saw some of that. I, I think in, in some of the coverage, you know, the Ravens had earlier, uh, there was a sack by Justin Matabike on, on a earlier touchdown drive for the Browns, put him in a second and 15, and all of a sudden, really loose coverage on Amari Cooper. I mean, pitch and catch throw for a 25-yard gain. Mm-hmm. Just really loose coverage. I think, you know, Marcus Williams and uh, John Harbaugh talked about this. He's having some issues right now with his with his pectoral still and the strength there and the mobility range of motion that he has in there. John Harbaugh talked about it. it's not all the way back. It's getting better. But I think you saw some of that on tape. You know, he had some tackling issues mm-hmm. and that reared their heads somewhat on the Browns late touchdowns. That was that was the touchdown drive before the game winning field goal That's drive. Correct. That was the six play 75 yard drive. But and when you talk about things being too easy, that drive was just was just too easy. I mean that was boom 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 just marching down the field. Yep. When they when you you need to make them work for it. Obviously you don't want them to get in the end zone at all, but at a minimum there, you want to run some clock, clock off mm-hmm. and just make it difficult, you know. It you really can almost live with the with the 12 play 8 minute touchdown drive. Yeah, the so backing up to that drive, 
again, some really fluky plays that kind of help the Browns. One, their, t- their tight end just gets shoved to the ground, rolls on the ground, gets back up, and catches a ball for a nine-yard gain. Mm-hmm. It looked like me out there. Like, if they call me from the <laughs> press box and they said, Mink, we need you for one play. We need you to catch a ball right here. That's what it would look like. I get shoved to the ground off the line. I roll around. I get back up, and nobody's guarding me anymore because they thought I was done, and I catch a ball. It was possum. He yeah. played possum. Yeah. And and so there's like, what? How? How does that happen? Mm-hmm. Another one, David Njoko off the, the line, he gets blocked by Kyle Hamilton. Looks like he's out of the play, totally blown up off the line. And then Watson flips him the ball. Another big gain of 11 on third and 11. Like yeah. you're just pulling your hair out at that point. How does this stuff happen? It's so frustrating. And, and Kyle Hamilton did talk about that after the game too, saying, you know, when they keep picking up first downs on third down and extending these drives, it is, it's difficult for a defense. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was just stuff that was too easy. Like you said, the next touchdown drive, it was a six-play drive. And it started with that that pass, I said, with Marcus Williams too loose in coverage. Then another one to Njoku. It's a five-yard pass, and he picks up 11, mm-hmm. right? It's just he was dragging too many tacklers. Um, it, was not, it was not a strong tackling day for the Ravens. And then the lat, they score on a... Deshaun Watson slips out, which he did too many times. Yeah. Just the front door is open. The Ravens are trying to contain him, keeping the pocket, slips through, and it's an easy 10-yard touchdown pass to Elijah Moore. So you, let's go to the final drive of the game. Browns yep. get the ball, and we already kind of covered the sack. So at that point, you're thinking, first you're thinking, jump on the ball, game's over. It exactly. doesn't happen. Um, the Browns <laughs> recover it, but you're like, all right, still in good position here. Still exactly. in good position here. Second and second in a mile, and they're deep in their own you're territory. You're facing second and 19. And and they're deep in their own side of the field. <laughs> so you're correct. like, all right, feeling pretty good here. This is this is where we get the great Ravens defensive uh, series. Exactly. And then that's not what happened. Ne- next throw, Deshaun Watson makes one of his best throws of the game. Tight coverage by Rock Yassine on Amari Cooper, but Watson just drills a 17-yard pass over the middle. So tough to fault anybody on that. It was good coverage, good throw again. Watson, I think, had one of his best games. Mm-hmm. But next play, Kyle Van Noy misses a tackle, and Deshaun Watson leaks out the front door, 16-yard game. Following play, Jerome Ford off right guard, 12-yard gain, pushed the pile for an additional five. Yeah. And, and now they're in field goal range. Really three plays right there, and that's the game. And you... Like, again, you're thinking that that was the thing that was crazy about this game. There was like multiple things that would happen. And at, at that point, you just kind of felt like, all right, the, the, they're going to win this game. Like, mm-hmm. on a, it happened early. I was feeling pretty good after the Kyle Hamilton pick six on the second play exactly. of the game. Feeling even better after the Keaton Mitchell touchdown. Feeling. We were okay. sizing him up after uh, that one. You sizing him up after that one. Then I was feeling great after the Odell Beckham slant. You're like, all right, okay, a little bit of a scare there. Mm-hmm. Here's they've extended the lead here. There's exactly. It was kind out. of like one of those. They're hanging around, hanging around, hanging around, and then all right, that touchdown, boom, done. Put them away. And then the other one was the after the James Prochet muff punt, and the Ravens end up getting a touchdown out yep. of that. You're like, okay, phew, all right, look, again, back to a 14 there. point lead. Now it's back to a 14 point lead. <laughs> And so I just kept thinking, like, all right, that is what you needed. And then the sack on that last series, I didn't feel, like, quite as good after the sack as I did the other ones just because it was obviously a one-point, you know, it was a one-point game there compared to a 14-point game in those other instances. But the Ravens, at the end of the day, just weren't able to to hold on those situations. Yeah, it's it's pretty frustrating. I mean... uh... Again, I think the the Browns had a lot of success offensively with Deshaun playing well, and I think their run game was pretty strong. They've had one of the best run games in the league, despite being without Nick Chubb, 
right? And Jerome Ford played a good game. The Ravens did not devote a lot of extra defenders to the run. It was mostly against light boxes, six mm-hmm. defenders or less. So, And they, they did not blitz Deshaun Watson a whole lot. Four times Mike McDonald brought a blitz. All four sacks were without a blitz. So basically their defensive strategy was they're on their backup offensive tackles. Mm-hmm. They were without their top three. We don't need to send extra defenders to beat them, which in effect worked. It's just that they also let him escape out of the pocket too many times and it wasn't mostly long gains it was on the game winning drive but it was you know extending plays third down picking up those yards um that that was a real problem for the Ravens and something that they have to correct quickly because Joe Burrow coming into town next is similar to Watson in that way tough dude tough dude good mobility inside the pocket you can't let him escape he can extend plays Obviously, he's always looking down the field to try to make something happen. He's not like he's certainly not a run first quarterback, um, but he he absolutely neat can can extend plays. And like the the stats for Watson from a running standpoint weren't gaudy. I mean, I no. think he had thirty six rushing yards. Yeah, but like in the in moments in key moments, he was able to come up with the yards that he needed on the ground. And that kind of comes back to the situational football. F- thing like situational football winning football like Watson played winning football he mm-hmm. was perfect in the second half 14 to 14 didn't yep. miss a throw and then he came up with some big plays on the ground when he needed that as well so like the Ravens need to they need to play with that kind of winning football I think in situations on both sides of the ball mm-hmm. and 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 they need to stop these other teams from doing it but yeah you're right Bur- Burrow is going to be and he's, I know we're going to talk more about that but like it's a different Joe Burrow compared to week two no yes. doubt about that absolutely alright so let's flip it over to the offensive side of the ball Garrett and you know defensively it was a tough day but they scored a touchdown right mm-hmm. and the offense there were some things that were really good particularly early in this game but then they ended up kind of stubbing their toes missed opportunities for the offense so just want to go through this some and, and we'll start with the turnovers the pick six changed the game Right, and Lamar Jackson also had another interception near the end of the first half. A big talking point right now nationally is Stephen A. Smith and and whatnot. Dan first Orlovsky, take, the first taker for argument. the first takers out there. Shannon Sharp, they're questioning whether uh, there should be concern about Lamar and his turnovers. Right. What says you after watching the tape? I don't think so. I, I, no, I'm not concerned about Lamar and, and the turnovers. I. Like the interceptions, I was more concerned with the fumbles. I think he needs to do a better job for protecting the football on mm-hmm. the fumbles than I am the interceptions. Yes. And in the clip that has kind of gone viral this week, Dan Arlovsky made the point to Shannon Sharp and to to, uh, to uh, Stephen A. Yep. That you know we're we're not we're not asking this question about Joe Burrow, who also had a pair of bad interceptions. You think they're going to be asking about Josh Allen? They probably actually are going to be asking about <laughs> Josh Allen, to be honest. I mean, they just fired their offensive coordinator. Like, they probably are. Yeah, I think yeah. there's a lot of questions there. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, uh, but, so my concern more is just with protecting the football from a fumbling standpoint. The mm-hmm. interceptions have not been a trend for Lamar this year. Right. Yeah. They th- hurt the Ravens on Sunday. Lamar had three interceptions in his previous nine games. Right. I'll take that rate. Now, this game specifically, yes, the interceptions were a problem. One of which, the pick six, I think there's an element to bad luck in that. Now, part of it was not a not great pass protection. Uh, protection. Mm-hmm. Lamar had uh, a defensive end right in his face. That close proximity is what led to his pass doinking off the guy's helmet. Now, 
again, kind of to what we said on Sunday, it's a low throw. He needs to get that throw a little higher. Yeah. So, and of course, you don't expect a ricochet off the guy's helmet to land right in the defender's hands. Just again, bad luck. Kind of, you know, the the fumble bounces right into the Browns' arms. The interception flies right into the Browns' yeah, arms. Yeah, I mean, I, I get like there's an element of bad luck there, but we're talking about how great Kyle Hamilton's play was. We're not saying like it was just good luck. Like it was yeah, a great play. Totally. So like there's, to me, those. Oh, those I, even I agree. There's there's a little bit of a element of good luck to Kyle Hamilton's play as well. Yeah. Um. So Lamar, I think, needed to get that throw a little higher. Better pass protection would have helped with that. His other interception at the end of the first half, I thought, was worse. That, I'm not sure if there's a miscommunication. Lamar took credit for that or took the blame for that interception. It's just said it was a bad pass. I'm wondering whether a problem for Lamar in recent weeks and really longer than that has been his deep throw accuracy. He missed the deep shot to Zay Flowers earlier in the game, and that seems to have been the trend on deep one-on-one shots, man coverage. Lamar has had receivers who have had a step or two, and he's thrown it too long. He's hit some. Nelson Aguilar touchdown in Cincinnati. He put one on uh, Nelson Aguilar in Pittsburgh that he dropped. There's been some, but he's missed too many, I Mm -hmm. think. And certainly you saw Lamar's reaction when he missed that deep shot to Zay. He was peeved at himself. He expects to hit that. And that's really, when you think about Lamar's passing this year, been the only glaring deficiency, I would say. He's been throwing the ball great this year. He just hasn't been hitting those deep shots. Yeah. So I wonder on the interception whether he was trying to leave that shorter, trying to make sure that he didn't throw it too deep and overcompensate and left it far too short. Well, that that's kind of like I don't know. The, the argument. The argument is like, you know, don't overthrow him. If you overthrow him, you have no chance of catching it. If you if you underthrow it, then you can at least get the pi. Yeah, which happens all the time in the NFL. You at least get the pi, but you need more air on that ball. And this if was you're gonna, too too short. That was way too short. That's, I don't. There just seemed. Maybe. Lamar also. Lamar also took took a really hard shot on the sideline. The play before that did that influence his throw not being particularly on target? I don't know. Yeah, I may, maybe. To me, it just seemed like there was some miscommunication there. Now, Lamar said he's got to put more air under it, and and maybe he's telling the truth there and not trying to, you know, just take the blame on himself. It just seemed like there was a miscommunication there. That's what, when I watched it and I saw, and then I saw mm-hmm. Lamar coming off thought the live field, too. he just seemed like they were talking about what was the, what the play was and what they were thinking. That's what I like thought that. live, too. And, and then again, you can't tell that stuff from tape either. Yeah. It, that's just, that was the vibe that I got. Again, he took the, to, the blame for it, and maybe he did just underthrow it. I don't know. But it seemed to me like it was a miscommunication. I'm going to give you the big point. Okay. Not trusting what Lamar says. <laughs> big point. Mm. That's what he said, Garrett. You're going to believe him? I think that he might just be t- falling on the sore, which think is he's an being a good thing, teammate. Which is an admirable thing to do. <laughs> a lot of the, a lot of the problems in this game for the Ravens' offense was protection, and Lamar was under pressure on forty percent of his dropbacks. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. I thought it was an uncar- uncharacteristically rough day for the Ravens' offensive line that we had been talking so much about, including with Tyler Linderbaum, friend of the lounge. Yes, uh, the offensive line had really been gelling. Obviously, some of that was thrown off by Morgan Moses not being in the lineup, did not play. But be and part of it is also you're facing a very good Browns front seven yeah. with Miles Garrett, potentially the defense player of the year, Zadarius Smith on the other side. I thought that Jim Schwartz, their defense coordinator, 
added some new wrinkles. It looked very Mike McDonald esque. I mean, a look, lot of dropping, a, a lot of guys dropping. I thought they they're very gr- aggressive defense, generally speaking. Anyway. And I think that that caused Baltimore's offense a lot of problems. And when Lamar doesn't feel comfortable in the pocket, it can certainly affect his play, as it does with any quarterback. The Browns' off or the Browns' defense has widely been considered one of the best in the league. Mm-hmm. That was the the conversation going into the game. Certainly. Ravens' defense, Browns' defense, two of the best. This is an opportunity to show it. And, and you scored tw- a- and you scored twenty four points against it. Yes, by the way, offensively. Now one was set up by a muffed punt but you still punch that in the end zone. It still counts. So there, that's what I was saying at the beginning. There was a lot to like offensively. I mean, they came out of the gate storming. Storming. Lamar with a dot to Rashad Bateman. The Keaton Mitchell 39-yard run. Yeah. I mean, even though the screen game was working, they hit a screen Yeah. yeah. for the first time it feels like all season to uh-huh. Keaton Mitchell with John Simpson leading the way with a monster block out front. Like, early on, I thought the misdirection was really good. They were rolling. But I think as the game went along, uh, they stubbed their toes in some situations where they had an opportunity to score points. The Keaton Mitchell reverse, lost a seven, sack on the next play. And then the Browns pass rush started to kind of overwhelm Baltimore up front. Yeah, the, the pass rush, like it's one of the best in the league. Miles Garrett might be the best defensive player in the game. So it's going to be difficult, especially when you're down your top two tackles. Like that is yep. a difficult assignment for any Offensive right, you, line. you lose Ronnie Stanley in the in the second half, and Daniel Falele steps in at left tackle against Miles Garrett. Not ideal. Difficult situation. Very difficult situation. One thing that I want to talk about, and this has been a big talking point this week, is Keaton Mitchell. So he has the big long touchdown run early in the game, thirty nine yards, and then he has a screen pass. Then he had another play that he could have made. It would have been a tough play, but could have made it for a touchdown on that wheel route in the end zone. Didn't make the catch, but had an opportunity there. Mm-hmm. It just seemed like, man, the Keaton Mitchell, uh, the show is often, is, mm-hmm. is open here. And then in the second half, they went away from You were from buying him. tickets to the show? Everyone was buying tickets. Everyone <laughs> was buying tickets. It was sold out. Yeah. And so, and then in the second half, the uh, the show was closed. <laughs> like, well, I don't mean to laugh, but that was pretty good. It yeah. was curtain call. Yeah, curtain <laughs> came down. Yeah. Now, the, the Ravens said that they, in, in hindsight, they wish that Keaton had gotten more action in the second half. Yeah. Um, you know, he had two offensive plays in the second half. So, and, and so, but John Harbaugh was asked specifically about that. Mm-hmm. And, and it was the way he explained it does make a little bit more sense. Like he, keep in mind, Keaton Mitchell is an undrafted rookie who is playing in what his third game. Yep. So they are not put, they were not necessarily throwing the entire playbook at him. They had a package of plays mm-hmm. that were available to him. And those just didn't get called. Those didn't get called. Now you can make the case. So you should have called them. Okay, fair. And right. I think that was John Harbaugh's point. It's like, right. okay, fair. You know, the guy has shown explosive ability. We want to get him the ball and keep him involved. So get, get and, it. And by the way, John said more touches for Keaton Mitchell coming up in the next game plan. Yes. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's, it's kind of twofold. It's calling those plays within the game and then also giving him a heavier workload hmm. during the week so right. that he There's has more, more plays, plays with Keaton Mitchell in the, on the menu. Exactly. Now to play devil's advocate here, like you said, there was a wheel, uh, fade touchdown targeted specifically for him yeah. that he dropped. And that's just on Keaton, right? Uh, I thought there were also some other opportunities for him to get the ball. And it looked like potentially schemed up for him where Lamar Jackson didn't throw it to him. One of which a defender was right in Lamar's face. Keaton Mitchell in the flat. If he gets that ball to him, Keaton Mitchell might house it. Just 
defender right in his face. It was almost like the pick six. He could have tried to get that ball over the defender's head, uh-huh. but he opted not to, pulled it, and ran. Okay, I, I don't fault that. You don't want to throw another one off the guy's face mask. There was another uh, kind of out and in, out of the backfield on the Ravens' final possession. It was Lamar's final throw that it looked like if he got that ball to Keaton, he could have also been off into the races. Did not end up getting him. And again, pressure was the problem. Yeah. So I, I think that Keaton Mitchell is going to continue to get more and more of a workload. He has shown that he has the home run threat, so the Ravens are going to find ways to get him the football. Yeah. Um, and I think that Thursday night will be another opportunity for him to show what he's got. Absolutely. Well, when we come back, we're going to preview this big game against the Bengals and make sure you know all the things you need to be keeping an eye on for in that Thursday night football game. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. You're listening to the Lounge Podcast, and we are coming to you from the SeatGeek Studio. We want to give a shout-out to our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook, which is an official sports betting partner of the Baltimore Ravens. They've got a limited-time offer you don't want to miss. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Use a promo code FLOCK. If you're a new customer, you can get a deposit bonus up to $1,000. Again, the promo code is FLOCK at DraftKings. You need to be 21 or older and physically present in Maryland to play. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. Now, Ravens fans, GEHA wants to give you the chance to show your Purple Pride with an exclusive pregame Ravens tunnel experience. Be there as the Ravens get ready to take the field with the GEHA Tunnel Takeover Sweepstakes, which includes two tickets to the game, parking, passes to the backyard bash and gift bags. This is my kind of deal. All yeah. the all the freebies all thrown in there. Are you uh, kidding me? The more the merrier for you. I know. <laughs> As each one I read, I'm like, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Yes, I'll I'm take in. that. I'm in. Uh, learn more at baltimoreravens.com backslash G-E-H-A. Government Employees Health Association is a proud partner of the Ravens. So, Gary, this is a big 
big, big <laughs> Thursday night football game coming up against the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, the Bengals obviously were playing really good football. They they were heating up after a slow start to the year, but just suffered a late game uh, loss to the Texans, just like the Ravens lost in the final seconds. So yeah, both teams you, are coming in here salty. Yes, they they both badly need a win. Right. And like, I never know, you know, it's like the psychology, the psychology of it. It's like, oh man, like now they're really going to want to win this game. No, nah, I, I like that they lost. I know it's good. It's, I mean, realistically, they, they were good. feeling pretty darn good. It, realistically, it's, it's good when other teams in the division lose. Well, yeah, for S- sure side that. note, side note, I give John Harbaugh some credit early in the season when he pointed out that the Texans were going to be a pretty good team this year. He was right on that prediction. He was absolutely. CJ Stroud is balling out. CJ Stroud. I mean, that might be a playoff team. Really, if you're looking at it. I think that three teams from the AFC North are going to make the playoffs, and I don't think it's crazy to say that four could. Yeah, I think the Steelers keep pulling rabbits out of their hats. Yeah, it's crazy. They've been outgained in yardage in every single game this season, and they're six and three. And they're six and three. I think that eventually catches up with them. But you look at their schedule remaining, and there's a lot of winnable games on there for them. Yeah. one of which will not be in Baltimore. I'll tell you that right now, big okay. boy. I big like that. Boy. Uh, but if if some team is going to... The Bills are, are looking vulnerable. I think the Texans might be the team most likely to keep an AFC North team out of that final wild card Yeah, spot. I think they definitely could. I mean, they they CJ Stroud is a dynamic player. He's probably going to win Rookie of the Year. And, I mean, his name has even been floated. I don't think this is going to happen, but he's even getting tossed around in the MVP conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, I, don't, I think that's probably a bit premature. Mm-hmm. But, he but he's is, been one of the best quarterbacks in the league this year. One of the best quarterbacks in the league and is having a historic rookie season. Yeah. So, it's good. John Harbaugh's prediction has proven correct from week one. So, in terms, of, in terms of this game, I mean, the Bengals are coming in here, I think, in a lot of ways, feeling like their season is on the line. Yeah. Like, they're in fourth place in the division. They've gone to two straight AFC championships, and this is their opportunity to deliver a massive blow to the Ravens who are atop the division right now. Mm -hmm. And with as close as this division is, the Bengals can completely turn their fortunes with the win this week. Or the Ravens get the win, and now all of a sudden the Bengals have a steep, steep, steep hill to climb down the stretch. Yep. With a tough remaining schedule. They've got to play a first-place schedule. Yep. And it's going to be difficult for them. Yeah, totally agree. When you look at this on paper, the Ravens are really seem to be the much better team. I mean, I'm just you look down the rankings here. The Ravens are second in total defense. The Bengals are thirtieth. Uh-huh. The Ravens are first in rushing offense. The Bengals are dead last. Right? I mean, the the, the Bengals rank thirtieth in defense and twenty fourth on offense. It's it's a runaway on paper. Yeah. Now I think I think that this is a different Bengals team than we saw the first month of the season. I agree. Uh, a healthy Joe Burrow makes a big difference for them. Yeah. But, I mean, Joe Burrow is one of the best players in the league. Yeah. And he was not at full strength when the Ravens played them earlier this season. It was week two. He was still dealing with that calf injury. In that game, he aggravated the injury. There was talk of him missing time after that. He ended up not. But he was hobbled at the end of that game. He was not as healthy as he is right now. Like mm-hmm. It is a different Bengals team. Now, they're going to have some differences this game, too. T. Higgins probably isn't going to play. I know we're going to talk injuries here in a minute, but yep. T. Higgins probably isn't going to play. That's a big blow for them. So the roster composition is, is drastically changing, but I do think that having your MVP caliber quarterback 
healthy. Yeah, touches the ball every single play. That changes everything else. Uh, Completely. It it absolutely does. But what doesn't change, I think, facing the Bengals is you can't give up the big play. That's that's when they crawl back into that game against the Texans, which the Texans were, they ended up tying it. The Texans were leading almost the whole time. Big plays of Jamar Chase. Mm -hmm. And that's what the Ravens have done such a good job at the past Two years under Mike McDonald, the Ravens have really limited Joe Burrow to a lot of short check down passes and the Ravens need to tackle a whole lot better than they did against the Browns in that situation because Jamar Chase, we've seen it. He can break one and go right. But if the Ravens do a good job of limiting the big play over the top, which they've done all year long, which they also did well against the Browns. If they can do that against the Bengals, especially with T. Higgins out, I think it's going to be tough sledding again for the Bengals offense, even with a healthy Joe Burrow. Yeah, and I still think that like the rivalry aspect of this game is real. I 100%. think that that is not going away. I only think that's intensifying, and I think there was more talk of that earlier in the season because it was a little bit more fresh off the playoff loss and the way the last season ended. But these two teams don't like each other very much. And you don't have as much time to dive into that on a short week when both teams feel like this is a massive AFC North game in the middle of the season. There's not as much of that dialogue going on. But I do think that like these teams do not like each other. They both want to... They both want to beat the other team like badly. They want to. They want oh, sure. to. They want. It's a rivalry. It's a real rivalry. I, I think that this. I mean, it, all of them in the AFC North are. I, yeah, but I think the intensity of this rivalry is at the top right now in the division for me, even more so than the Steelers. I think that these two teams with the players that they have, the this rivalry is number one for me right now. I would agree with that. I think X's nose just talking about what the Ravens need to do in this game. I think they need to run the ball a whole lot better than they did against the Browns. And they have the 30th ranked rush defense to do it against. Mm-hmm. That's without, by the way, Trey Hendrickson also. Um, so let's just get into the injuries while we're mentioning it here. For the Bengals, like we said, T. Higgins probably not going to play. Uh, yep. Suffered a, a midweek injury last week that it sounds like is still going to hold him out for this week. Uh, Trey Hendrickson hyperextended his knee on the final play for the Bengals against the te- the Texans. There's no way he's coming back. They can say he's got a chance all they want, but there's no way he's coming uh-huh. back for this game. Um, and then it's it's also a question mark for Sam Hubbard, another defensive end who's dealing with an ankle injury. That's another question mark for yep. them. So those are three key players, two of which are your top defensive ends. I think this is a game where the Ravens can run the ball. And Gus Edwards, Keaton Mitchell... Some more Keaton Mitchell. Get the ground game going. The Ravens are still first in the league, 100, nearly 155 rushing yards per game. And I think that this is a game where they can continue that and really kind of keep the ball out of Joe Burrow's hands by virtue of running the ball well. Yeah. I mean, that's the best. The best defense is a good offense, especially if you can sustain drives. And the Ravens have the running game to do that. The injuries for the Ravens, they're dealing with their own significant injuries. Marlon yeah. Humphrey uh, reported calf strain that's not John Harbaugh said is not serious he has a chance for Thursday Monday these Thursday games like the injury report you can only take so much from it because it's like an estimation and it's not they're not fully practicing and all that but for both Marlon Humphrey and Ronnie Stanley Mm -hmm. John Harbaugh said that there's a chance that they could play on Thursday Mm -hmm. they both left the game on Sunday did not return I mean it would be surprising if they're able to make that quick turn and be out there again on Thursday Mm -hmm. but John Harbaugh said that there's a chance they're basically day to day so the good news there not long term 
injuries when sure. you see Ronnie pounding the turf and you see people speculating about Marlon like non-contact injury non-contact grabbing for the injury. back of your, your you know, ankle usually not a good sign the, the Twitter doctor saying this could be an Achilles it's like the, you this get, is a lesson by the way about listening to the Twitter doctors yeah. you know what sometimes they're right but sometimes they ain't yeah and when you haven't seen the patient like this is just a a uh, word of caution a word of caution exactly uh, yeah. just don't don't buy into all that stuff right away yeah so but but it would be it would be a lot for them to be able to play, you would think, on a short week like this. But who knows? Maybe they can get out there and go. Now, the good news for the Ravens at offensive tackle is Morgan Moses was a full practice participant all last week. The Ravens held him out, I think, in part because they had the short week. They wanted to give him a little longer time to, to get that shoulder right and not have him on a short week coming off a game. So if he returns, he was an estimated full practice participant on Monday. If he returns then Patrick McCary can kick over to left tackle, Morgan back at right tackle. Um, so I think that the Ravens with Patrick McCary are in a good spot. Patrick has to play a better game than he did against the Browns. Yeah. But I have faith that he can do that, absolutely, especially when you aren't going against Miles Garrett and Sidarius Smith, and their top pass rusher, Trey Hendrickson, is probably not playing. Yeah, and... and- in the AFC North, like dealing with those, it, it's honestly really difficult to play two AFC North teams back to back. Like that Browns game was a physical game. Absolutely, there. Like, I was happy to see more. I was happy not to see more guys on the Ravens injury report who had left the game yeah. and then come back in, like Jadavion Clowney, for instance. Yeah, totally. Not on the injury report. I thought that was a good sign. Yeah, that's that's encouraging. And cornerback wise, the Ravens also have a lot of depth at corner. You know, if Marlin cannot play, Rock Yassin, I would assume, would probably step in. Yeah, that's in. the question. They, is it Rock? Is it Darby? It, it was Rock it was against Rock the Browns. most recently. And, uh, but it was I, Darby earlier in the season. It could be a mix and match. They've used both of them in games before. Yeah. We'll see. I would probably lean toward Rock, but we'll see. Um, so the Ravens have options at cornerback as well. This is where your depth comes to fruition. Yes. Well, you need you need depth at that corner spot. Ravens know that as well as anybody, especially in these games against the Bengals. So the the other thing I want to mention for this game, it's going to be an awesome atmosphere. Wear black. We're telling everybody to wear black. Do you uh, have all black suit. All black suit. I I you know what you haven't got one of these yet. Maybe I'll wear this. We just got these sick hoodies. <laughs> You're not wearing hoodies. a hoodie in the press box. And mine's waiting for me in the mailbox. And, it and, better, and I'm going to check it right after this. You don't have a hoodie yet, and you're looking for it. And <laughs> I know that you are eyeing up my hoodie. So I know you're the one that stole my T-shirt out of my, out of my mailbox. <laughs> I know it was me. you. Not guilty. So everybody wear black. Uh, the theme is darkness there and nothing more. So we've got, we're got for the introductions, we're going to go lights out. It's going to be a light show. It's going to be awesome pregame. Like those intros for night games, there's nothing like that. And with, with the black out there at the stadium, like it's just going to be such a cool atmosphere. And then at halftime, Big Boy from Outcast is performing. So that's going to be great. Um, so I'm going to bring my Johnny Cash look. Okay. Just all Man black. Of black. Yeah. I like that. It'll be cool. It's gonna be lit. it's gonna be lit. This is gonna be a special night. I, I think back to the 2021 game, Ravens versus Chiefs, prime time. That game was a special moment at MT Bank Stadium. The Lamar flip into the end zone. It's gonna have those kind of vibes. I think. I on think. Uh, yeah, I totally agree with that. I like the uh, 2019 game against the Patriots. Mm-hmm. That was Lamar versus Brady. That, that was, was an iconic game. 
I believe the Patriots had just won the Super Bowl the previous year, so that was a big time matchup, and the Ravens won. So like, there's these these primetime games. The Ravens are 19 and three in home primetime games under John Harbaugh. That's the best record in the NFL since he's been here in 2008. It's been next to impossible to win at M&T Bank Stadium in prime time for opposing teams. And so certainly hope that that's the case and the home field advantage is a big reason for that. Absolutely. Well, get ready Ravens fans because it's going to be a big win against the Bengals. That was the biggest one I got. Woo! That was a big one. Get ready Ravens fans. Let's go. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.